Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. With me, as always, is Dorothy. Uh, hi. And we are welcoming back one of our special guests. Uh, you may remember him from the Magic Mike episode. Ross is with us again. Hello. Thank you for joining us for Pride Month. Yay, thank you for having me back. I, I, it's really exciting. <laughs> Listen, we, we are now reaching the end of our spate of movies uh, this year as... You may remember from me saying it four times now, our theme is movies about the gays, or the queer community in general, made for straight people. And because it has been so grueling for three weeks, we decided we would like to close out on something nice. Which is a movie Dorothy introduced me to, uh, 1997's In and Out. A nice movie, where everyone has a good time. You know, once you get through all of the everything. Yeah. Uh. I mean... This movie does fit into a trend. We we briefly considered doing the birdcage to fill this slot. As this is one of those '90s movies about tolerance, mm-hmm. in very strong air quotes. <laughs> yep. Or the gays are people too movie, which are you know about coming together and coming out, and the straights learning a lesson about tolerance. But usually the gays coming out is in the most sexless way possible. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially here. And mm-hmm. I, it needed another kiss at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it because I, I was just like, okay, I know they did the waka waka fake out with like, oh, it's not their wedding. Oh, but I was like, mm-hmm. just, just one more, even if it's like a pet. Like, like just... I mean, there's even a shot where it looks like Selick is going in for it. Right. <laughs> and then nothing. It's a bummer. Darn. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit cheating. Well, yes and no. Um, last week we talked about a movie about trans people written by a cis gay man. This movie actually properly aligns where the writer knows what he's talking about. It's direct, So it's directed by Frank Oz, who, as far as I know, is straight. Is married to a woman. Uh, the screenwriter. Many Muppets. Many Muppets. Yes, you may know him as the Muppet. And also, writer of the most distressing horror film of my childhood, or director of most distressing horror film of my childhood, What About Bob? Oh, dear terrible. God. <laughs> yeah, that's a future episode in the making. <laughs> but it is written by Paul Rudnick, who is still alive and writing and lives with a male partner. You all may know him as the screenwriter of Adam's Family Values, a film that everybody likes. That explains a lot, actually. Uh, <laughs> y- yes, you, you you referenced it frequently while we were watching. Well, yeah, because Joan Cusack is there in exactly. a wedding dress. Uh-huh. Funny enough, I kept thinking of the absolutely god-awful Stepford Wives remake that Frank Oz and Paul Rudnick did together. <laughs> so, Oh my god, that movie. That explains a lot, too. Horrible. I saw that movie before I saw the original, and it's, it's a lot. It really is. What was up with that phase of Nicole Kidman's career? I I don't like between that and Bewitched. What was she doing? What I, was going on? I feel like she did Moulin Rouge. Yeah, like she. At some point, we need to watch Birth because it sounds terrible. <laughs> I have heard from many accounts that from many people that Birth is like one of their favorite movies. And just reading the premise, I'm like, okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> like unconvinced. I mean, I'm interested. I, I I'll watch it, but. It's, it's a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like this movie, actually. This is the second time I've seen it, and, and I came away feeling with all the warm fuzzies in my heart this second time around. It It's just a relief after the relentless... Because it's not free of stereotyping. It is definitely a sexless 90s movie. But, but it's also got its heart genuinely in the right place and it it is this and it's also kind of wickedly funny a lot of the time there is some real sharp commentary in here yeah there i laughed more than i expected to even though i didn't particularly care for it but i I was like there were definitely a lot of lines where i was like oh that is really funny because paul rudnick is just good with that where like he'll like just Mm -hmm. throw a zinger in there that'll just completely catch me off guard (laughs) right Again, we wanted to talk about these movies because these are all made for mass media consumption with the assumption that the audience is straight. So for me, this was one of the first gay-related movies that I saw really being promoted in media. I remember, you know, the ad campaigns for it and everything when I was a kid. 
Did the movie producer voice have thing ha- have a lot to say about how Kevin Klein has a secret? No, no, it was more like <laughs> um, Howard Brackett is an ordinary teacher until <laughs> oh my god. It was more like that. <laughs> For, the babies in our audience might not know what this movie is. Oh yeah, they might not know about the incident. Mhm. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell them about the incident. So, Philadelphia occurred. <laughs> was inflicted upon uh all of us and if and if there's one thing that gets Oscars, it is tragedy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, Tom Hanks went up to accept his Oscar for playing a tragic dead gay. And in his speech, he acknowledged the help of an acting teacher that he had had in high school who was gay. Even today, there is a lot of hand-wringing from assholes about how we can't let the gays teach our children. Yes. Because there's still a lot of damaging stereotypes baked into the culture. And this movie neatly sidesteps a lot of those. It really does. Mm -hmm, It does. it touches on them very, very briefly, but it's it's too fluffy a confectionery thing to deal with the ugliness that is going on there, particularly with the principal character. Yeah, that is very... The, the way this character is treated, like, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for, like, there to be some kind of, like, big important speech at the climax where, like, Kevin Klein is, like, addressing this character, and it just doesn't happen. Like, he doesn't really learn anything. But he he's part of the dance party to Macho Man, so I... That's something. <laughs> He's briefly shunned, and that will learn him a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Homophobia um, is over! <laughs> yay! So that is the premise of this film, is a dramatization of that type of incident. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the famous actor who's getting the Oscar is played by Matt Dillon. <laughs> and he's the dumbest man in Hollywood. Yeah, he's so dumb. It's like... Honestly, like, it reminded me, I got, like, Tropic Thunder flashbacks with, like, the, the fake movie that they have about the gay soldier where he's playing, yeah. which is the funniest part of the movie to me. Oh, that I shit die is every so time I watch funny. that. <laughs> I love you. Like a brother? No. no another way. A different way. <laughs> like a pen pal? <laughs> So the, the fake movie is basically Forrest Gump, if you combine Lieutenant Dan and Bubba, <laughs> and he hooked up with Forrest Gump, <laughs> and then they were court-martialed, tragically. <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh-huh. It is. It's incredible. It's not very accurate for a gay movie in the 90s, though, because they both live till the end. Yeah, nobody dies. It's <laughs> how unrealistic. <laughs> The very end of it with the accessibility thing uh-huh. also slays me. Uh huh. <laughs> we have our we have our inspiration porn man in a wheelchair because he has lost his legs, so we left him at the top of the Washington Monument. Right, his boyfriend just goes down the stairs of this significant, you know, pieces out. <laughs> I made my speech, and you were a handy accessory for that. Thank you. I'll be going. Bye. Like, there are moments like that where this movie is so fucking sharp, and it still holds up. Yeah, and it's at this point where we meet entertainment reporter Tom Selleck without the mustache. Which is so upsetting. Why wasn't the mustache in this film? Was the mustache homophobic? (laughs) Is the mustache a Scientologist? (laughs) That would be the most upsetting thing to learn about stars from your childhood. Magnum P.I.'s mustache hates the gays. I'm so upset. Yes, so the the film is, Glenn Howerton is a beloved high school teacher. Glenn Howerton? Yes, that's the words that I was going to use. <laughs> I think you mean Howard Brackett. But yes, like, I, I do. I watch a remake with Glenn Howerton. <laughs> I'm standing by my, no. <laughs> season two of AP Bio. <laughs> oh no, no. You just don't want season two of AP Bio to happen. I don't. Because that's how we end up with the sex doll and Always Sunny. Uh, yes, Howard Brackett. There we go. Played by Kevin Klein, who I'm eternally shocked to find out is married to a woman. Me too. He, he is, as you have, uh, the male equivalent of Natasha Leone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I was just trying to think of... Kevin Klein is just so... Even when he's in something that's absolutely terrible, you can tell that he is just, like, working overtime to make it work. Like, even in that 
god-awful live-action Beauty and the Beast remake where he's Maurice. He's literally the only gar- good part of that, just by yeah. pure force of will. Yeah, I love Kevin Klein in everything I've seen him in. And he's very good in this, too. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It must have been painful for him coming from an actual musical theater background to have to do that dancing scene where he dance decent, but not good. Yeah, the, the <laughs> it was a little <laughs> off the beaten path. <laughs> The cl- and the character he's playing is also, what year was Dead Poets Society? This was after, right? This was after. Dead Poets Society was like 94, I think. This was yeah. 96, 97? 97. He is definitely a Robin Williams-esque, except that I don't believe that he would coach his student down a path that ended in suicide. I hate that movie. Robin Williams' character in Dead Poets Society is a bad teacher. Fuck uh-huh. Dead Poets Society. And should have been fired. <laughs> Glenn is, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. One more time. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Kevin Klein for the sake of my poor brain, because that's what we do on this show anyway. Why am I pretending? That's fine. Um, Kevin Klein is is the good version of the inspirational teacher, and he's about to get married to his his you know fiance of three years. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal somehow. As though like, I was dating somebody for over a decade before I got married. Yeah. So until the night of the Oscars happens, right before graduation, and and Cameron comes from this town, and it's a small town in rural Indiana, so everybody watches the Oscars. It is the most midwestern town ever. Like the Mm -hmm. intro of this movie is laying it on so thick how midwestern it is. Even the score is just like Indiana. Filmed in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it feels very Pleasantville-ish. And there are a lot of jokes about how his fiance, played by Joan Cusack, used to be fat. <sighs> I feel like it's trying, but it's trying in that very 90s way. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there was a lot of 90s media that really had a problem with that. And, like, there's still a problem with it now, but, like, there's something distinctly 90s about how they treated it. What's the Gwyneth Paltrow movie? Shallow How. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's like that's like the strongest example of that there. Yeah. I mean like it's trying to be better than that, but it is still setting up a zero sum game between jolly fat girls and skinny bitches. Yeah. Yeah, like the only way to reclaim and have fat women feel good about themselves is well actually skinny women are vapid and boring, so then you get the model character that um Matt Dillon is dating. She's dumb, and it's the 90s, so we think bulimia is funny. And also, he's got a lot of nerve feeling like anybody's dumb. Right. (laughs) He does. Like, where do you get off, man? You're a C student, by your own admission. He's our our Tom Hanks stand-in, but he's also extremely like He's a little Tom Green, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. He he mentions he's only been in two movies, so he's not a straight... (laughs) Uh, Tom Hanks analog because he's not like an actor who's done the work he's clearly had like a meteoric rise so he's a dumb early 20s like a Ben Affleck yeah Mm -hmm. I mean the hair (laughs) (laughs) that hair frosted tips y'all oh it's bad he looks like he escaped from a boy band he does though (laughs) because he has that very like angular face that you would see in like sink or something <laughs> he looks like if somebody bleached aj yeah yep she's right <laughs> she's correct so the big announce so, so the big speech after the best oscar joke ever the the amazing cutscene, and also the pretty good joke al pacino for a snowball's chance in hell no no steven seagal excuse for me snowball in hell glenn close was relishing the chance to say that <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Everybody's good Everybody's having parts. such a good time. <laughs> All the actors seem happy to be here. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. Um, so you're wondering how this um, contributes to the rise of a burger franchise, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's been sitting on that joke for five days. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> the movie is a little bit pop and swap in the middle. Like, the important part is... There's the denial phase, then they get to the wedding where he can't do it, and he comes out, and then there's the acceptance phase where he has to because fight the being power. gay is like death. Yeah. yeah. There's the five stages, yes. The five stages of gay. <laughs> denial, anger, bargaining, grief, and Streisand. 
<laughs> but yeah, this is one of those movies where I feel like, Ross, perhaps you can attest to this or dispute me. I don't know. That thing where like, when you're talking about queer shit and some of it is like, okay, this is, wait, are there any straight people around before we talk about this? Before we acknowledge this? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been there. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. like when when you want to make sure there's no straight people around before you start speculating on somebody's sexuality. Because mm-hmm. like, don't you do it? But like, but like, are they though? Yeah. No, there are times when you just you wonder. <laughs> but you, but yeah, I I don't wonder publicly unless I'm drunk on Twitter. But <laughs> <laughs> all of um Kevin Klein's. The stereotype stuff in this movie feels a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's gentler than most flaming gay type characters. He feels more human, and part of that I think is down to the performance. But it's also one of those, all right, this is a stereotype, so how do I weigh that against the musical theater gays that I actually do know? Yeah. Mm. No, it's right. It's because like they boil down to like what being gay is in this movie. It's liking Barbara Streisand. Having excellent fashion sense, and like that's that's mostly it. And it's like very I, clean. I too love Barbara Streisand. I, I don't know anything about the fashion sense part. I'm I'm currently wearing wearing borrowed like football gear that I got. <laughs> but, I mean, fashion sense, right? He, he wears jackets with elbow patches. I knew a guy who became an adjunct professor and sprouted elbow patches spontaneously on the backs of his sleeves. <laughs> like, I saw him the day before he got the job and the day after, and it just happened. So, like, on the one hand, some of that is eye-rolling. On the other hand, the bachelor party scene is really fucking funny. That was great. She was too old for Yentl. For Yentl. <laughs> and then it's on. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have, I would have thrown hands for trashing Yentl. <laughs> I mean, she she was too old to play that character at that point. She was, but <laughs> but also, it's Barbara, and she's very good. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> I, I like the funny lady thing because, like, do you know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady, and he's trying to defend it with, "It's a sequel, so why are you watching it so many times?" You say that, but we watched Would You Rather. <laughs> we watched Ra- Would You Rather, the movie where Jeffrey Combs is in a bad John Hodgman impersonation. True, and he has no excuse of being under contract. No, he just did that. <laughs> Horror gay obligations is suffering. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, I've watched some bad shit for my idols. Uh-huh. Yep. We've all done it. Exactly. Also, I... I kind of love the manliness tape scene. I feel like that's the other smartest piece of writing mm-hmm. as far as what it has to say about like toxic masculinity and shit. Yeah, that was like one of the ones where like I had seen like the little bit they had of it in the trailer um, before I watched it. And I was like, I was ready to cringe. And but then like, as it went on, I was like, okay, this is actually like smarter than I thought it would be. Right, just like the relentless misery of what it takes to be a real man. <laughs> Don't you dare have fun. Everyone else is dancing, but not you. I, I do feel like, though, this movie taps into one of the most base-level fears in the hindbrain of every queer person. Mm. What if everybody around me can tell? Oh, God. Like, at every moment, even before me. Yeah, my entire time in high school. Literally the whole time. Also, that one kid is clearly gay. <clears throat> oh, super gay. Yeah. Like, things worked out for him, but... Like, the, the, the very first one in the Spartacus moment at the end? Yeah. yeah I in don't the captain he... my captain scene. I don't think he meant for that to be a Spartacus moment. <laughs> <laughs> it just became one, and it looked out for him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was... yeah, so Tom Selleck comes to town and starts continually stirring up shit. And because and meanwhile, Howard is just trying to go about his life and get married so that his mother, Debbie Reynolds, and his father, Wilford Brimley, will leave him the fuck alone. Apparently, Wilford Brimley and Frank Oz did not get along on set. Oh, this is sad. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But they worked together later, so clearly they patched it up. 
There were not enough aliens around, I think, for Wilford Brimley's tastes. Oh, yeah. Wilford Brimley in this movie basically playing my dad. Yeah, <laughs> it's eerie. Like, he's not as tall as your dad, but if you stretched him and elongated <laughs> him, it would be your dad. So there are various slapstick scenes wherein Howard... I could hear the effort in that. <laughs> forcibly denies that, no, no, he is totally heterosexual, and then everyone will point out a stereotypically thing that he does, which is totally gay. And then, you know, shenanigans. We were just talking at the intersexual, the, the homosexual. Yeah, this thing, <laughs> this movie really is a thing for Freudian slips. Apparently it was quite notable at the time for the length of that that kiss between uh, Magnum P.I. and seconds. Kevin Klein. <laughs> yep. 12 seconds. It did. He does a lot of hand acting in that scene. Yeah, like the hands and then like the leg coming up at the very <laughs> end. Like, <laughs> like on the one hand, not great to kiss somebody without their consent, yeah, but no. on the other hand. Yeah, because um, the Tom Selleck character it has a, a bone to pick with this story because he's out. So, you know, you can't keep lying to yourself. And to everybody else. Yeah, again, this theme that we've been butting up against is like what in nineties movies of like your obligation, they've grasped that coming out is good, but they've reframed it as the straights deserve to know your sexuality. Yeah. It becomes really forceful, which, mm -hmm. uh, which, which extends to like the moment of the kiss. And it was weird. Like the, the whole Tom Selleck character is kind of world, not sense makey, on, like, a real-world level. Yeah, he definitely feels inserted to forward the story. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he sort of fills the role of a love interest, but the, it's not quite there. Yeah, honestly, if they'd expanded on that more, I think maybe the movie would have been a little stronger. And, you know, it could have chopped off one of those interchangeable scenes of uh, Kevin Klein farting around <laughs> being uh, with limp wrists. <laughs> yep. Yep. His students are all kind of annoying. Yeah. Except the one obvious gay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I kind of love the dumb student, though. Like, the really dumb student. He, he face acts with the best of them. Because you can see him go on a face journey for every extremely simplistic thought in his head. You can see him follow it through 15 rabbit warrens. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Like, the, the face, the actor is bringing some gold there. The script is not helping me. And meanwhile, Joan Cusack, who always deserves better, always deserves better, deserves and, better than her brother. Uh huh. She got and an also, Oscar nomination for this. Huh. Despite despite her excellence in Adam's Family Values, all I can hear her in is School of Rock. It's all I can hear. <laughs> I feel like if you got this character drunk, she'd sing Stevie Nicks. Yeah, her freakout scenes have the same vocal tone as when she's very upset as an angry principal. <laughs> And, and her whole... Well, yeah, but right now she's an English teacher. She hasn't taken that job yet at the private school. <laughs> Did she get run out of this school for fucking someone who's no longer her student? That that toes that line so carefully. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh no, my. no, he's in his 20s now. It's cool. Yeah. So, um, she is... After being dropped at the altar by a man who assured her repeatedly that he was straight when she asked, and she took him at his word. Yeah, here's the thing. She gets really mad in, like, the, in what I think is supposed to be the placeholder for the histrionic woman. Can't believe that she's, her life has been ruined in, you know, not recognizing his plight and the pain of coming out or whatever. But she's right. She, she has a point. Yeah, she does kind of have a point there. And yeah coming out happens on its own schedule for everybody but also like maybe there was a better time as opposed to at the altar with television cameras running yeah uh, there is we were um dorothy was talking about this while we were watching it in that her character almost gets at something really interesting about the relationship between straight women and gay men mm -hmm. yeah it's like almost uh, there but like really not quite yeah and like this this tendency for insecure young women in high school to glom on to these men who are safe and who will make them pretty and fashionable and there's a, a level of emotional distance there and also on the other hand yeah yeah i was saying that it's um because there's a lot of mentions of how like kind of damaging the wedding preparation has been for her because howard kept very specifically aestheticizing her and saying what 
visual changes she needed to make to her body to create a perfect picture for the wedding Mm -hmm. in a way that demonstrates his distance from her as a physical sexual human with feelings about her body. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's almost there, but it doesn't, it's too light and fluffy a comedy. I think to get into the really painful things there of like between like a, on the one hand, the, the harm of straight women using gay men as a prop. And, and then on the other hand, you know, gay men using straight women as aesthetic props and how that power dynamic shifts with age and all that shit. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of like that Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston movie um, from later in the 90s, uh, Object of My Affection. Have either of you seen that? I have not. Because that's very much like that sort of thing. And that's also like too light and fluffy a movie to like really get to it, even though it really needs to be there. That movie's not great. So it's like dancing around the crux without ever... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mostly, like, it just comes off, like, the Jennifer Aniston character in that movie and the Joan Cusack movie, it one in this movie, they mostly just kind of come off as, like, stereotypes who are mostly just there to, you know... Uh, the, their pain is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. She is desperate for boning at this point. Because it's been three years. Mm-hmm. Three years of long talks and sunsets and supportive friendship because so she goes to a bar and tries to get laid by the first man she sees this is funny but i'm tish um and then she runs out still in her wedding dress the bartender looks believably frightened by her (laughs) because somebody walks into a bar like that you know blood is being shed by the end of the night (laughs) (laughs) she probably already killed somebody she didn't want that Malibu Barbie. <laughs> um, but then she wanders outside and because of plot convenience, Cameron has decided to run to the rescue. He's not sure what he's rescuing or how he's going to help, but he sure is here mm-hmm. with his frosted tips. <laughs> and then we find out that she always had value after all because somebody wanted to fuck her even when she was fat. Yay. Yay. And also everybody's paired up. It's fine. Yay. Um, the thing is, Cameron's a feeder. Yeah. He is absolutely going to get this woman up to like 400 pounds and then abandon her. Yeah, like you see I... him there at the end with the Cheetos and it's like, oh boy. Like, Placing them in her mouth. Like there's supporting your partner regardless of their body type or having a thing for large women who are good and pretty. Uh, and then there's his shit. Plus, this film is doing that very careful dance of talking about fatness while not actually casting fat people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, she's allowed to like be sympathetic in this instance because she's not fat anymore. Right. She talks about how much she just wants to eat her feelings in the most... Because that's where fat comes from. Uh-huh. And also as though June Cusack has ever been fat. <laughs> no, no. Like, you see the corset on that dress. Like, come on. I mean, she's large for Hollywood, which means... A seven. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, she was like the 90s Tina Fey. Yeah, except that's unfair to Joan Cusack. (laughs) It is, it is. I'm mostly just saying, like, (laughs) Tina Fey got cast as, like, Hollywood ugly a lot. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Like, all all the moments on 30 rock that are trying to pretend that this is an unattractive woman and not tina fey yeah <laughs> yeah it's just tina are you fey kidding like me tina fey. Mm-hmm. like we have eyes people uh-huh yeah and the other weird dynamic to to that relationship is that we learned that she tutored him when he was a student and they would recite romeo and juliet to each other but apparently no fucking happened my skin so it's cool <laughs> It's cool. It's fine. He just had a crush on the pretty teacher. Which I guess is fine. It's whatever, but it's also kind of hilariously weird (laughs) how this movie is trying to be so careful. Mm -hmm. And like, meanwhile, this same year, Dawson's Creek is doing the teacher fucking subplot. Yep. (laughs) I never watched that. That happened. Uh It did. did. Oh yeah, the first season, there's an entire season-long subplot where Pacey Fucks the pretty the English that's, teacher. That's the one that's not James Vanderbeek. It right? is. It's the other one. Okay. The, the one that was on Fringe. Uh-huh. Yep. It was a whole... Because that, that famous case was, I think, around that time. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. So it was a whole thing in media. I don't remember that woman's name. Did she go to jail? I believe she did. There were a couple within close succession, though, and they always had the same terrible reporting. Uh Uh-huh, and all the media took the terrible lesson of doing stories about how illicit and, but kind of, but kind of sexy, right, this is. Yeah. Uh, So in that media landscape, this movie's doing okay, weirdly. Yeah, good thing we don't do that anymore. Oh, wait, Riverdale did that. Oh, right. I'm so desensitized because I review anime for a living. (laughs) I mean, I have not watched Riverdale, and it's kind of better that way, because I can just see any random thing float across my dash where people are talking about, now there's a cult. They eat babies. (laughs) Yeah, Jennifer Sean's on Riverdale now. I'll be like, okay. (laughs) Sure, that sounds right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Very well, Riverdale. (laughs) Don't even question it. (laughs) You can tell me anything about Riverdale, and I'd nod and be like, okay. Yeah, in the next season, they're going to space. Um. (laughs) Yeah, sure. All right. (laughs) There's a secret society in the school basement, and... No, I think that did happen. (laughs) See? (laughs) See? (laughs) Uh, There's a motorcycle gang that... (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) But... After the so after the wedding gets called off and Joan Cusack is is taken care of the lone homophobe in the town, <laughs> the, the one and only Bob Newhart. Mm-hmm. Newhart, wait, <laughs> no, that's something else. <laughs> Wakes up in bed with the wife from the earlier series <laughs> and decides that it's time to fire a man because think of the children. And so suddenly the, the movie shifts shifts gears into being a prejudice story about how now that he's finally come out, he has been fired from his job. Yeah, it's very awkward. <laughs> but I like that this movie is really talking about the powerful influence of media on viewers. Because um, we see the flag planted early in the film where his incredibly stupid brother upon watching the clip of the Oscar bait movie, says, well, that's unfair and cruel of them to kick him out of the army because he performed his duties as stated. He killed people. (laughs) (laughs) And then we see this play through at the end where we have the same argument recontextualized in reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The look on her face, listeners. (laughs) The absolute shit-eating grin. (laughs) I cannot begin. That to is ca- what it's doing, though. It is absolutely what it is doing. Yes, but also- the one thing that does bother me about that ending scene, this the, like the you know the Spartacus and everything that happens like before and after, is mm-hmm. like Kevin Bryan like barely speaks at all in that, and I I just kept waiting for him to like say something, and mm-hmm. it, it was it was well you know it's it's all the the straight characters like having their turn. Right. Which kind of deflates what they're going for a little bit. Just a bit. Yeah, he's a very passive character throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's just kind of like people telling him like what he is. And then eventually he's like, okay. <laughs> I guess. You've browbeat me into it. Yeah, I feel like there's this very emblematic bit of framing after the... where. He's found out he's been fired, uh, but we don't know that yet, where where his dad comes to check on him. And, like, we see the perspective, we, we come into the room and we see it over his father's shoulder. And he's, like, far in the corner in the frame, like, cor- literally cornered between a window and a desk. And he's, like, this very small object in the frame. He's the focus of it, but he's very small. And I don't know, that's, it. it's it clearly in sympathy with him, but it's not from, like, we are looking at him from another character's perspective and it's so the film to me. Yeah. It's not in his head. It's not really conveying like what his thought process is, which Mm would have made it, you know, a stronger and maybe funnier movie. I don't know if they could swing it. Um, And I mean, Klein is playing these scenes very sympathetically and, and like with, with a lot of pathos, but like his performance is absolutely not the problem. 
Mm-hmm. But the script very much, yeah. The script, the cinematography, everything combines to mm-hmm. make him a passive character who is acted upon by this community. And therefore it's not about him fighting for his identity so much as the the community having a discussion and hashing out and passing judgment on the acceptableness of that identity. Yeah, because like mm-hmm. one of the first things that we see after the wedding completely goes south is like Debbie Reynolds like talking with like some of her lady friends and like their various like secrets. And... Was the nineties when the the born this way narrative really kind of got into gear? I think it was. Yeah, I definitely remember that being the narrative in place in the nineties because um, fluidity wasn't really discussed that much in the mainstream. Um, and the primary defense that a lot of people used when attempting to articulate this, especially for court cases and stuff, was this immutability of sexual identity and the fact that it's inborn and that therefore mm-hmm. you shouldn't fuck with people and discriminate because. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that mindset is very much at the heart of the structural thing. That, that you're talking about with with the passivity like he just he can't help it he just he has to accept it and then the world has to change around him which is interesting i do kind of wonder if rudnick grew up in a small town because i did larger than this but still small and there is definitely a wish fulfillment angle to the to the spartacus scene like all the dipshits who don't really get it but they're trying have have rallied around him to right it was a little unrealistic but well a lot unrealistic especially for fucking indiana but Uh but like i can see like why that would be a thing you would want to put in your movie Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the vibe it gave off to me, so I kind of wonder. Yeah. So, Howard shows up to the graduation after having been fired, mm-hmm. and the other teachers are all scandalized, and they don't give him the Teacher of the Year award. Even though he was the clear forerunner, apparently. apparently. Yeah, that's something it feels like maybe that was in an earlier draft of the script, and then they cut it, or I don't know. For time, probably, yeah. But then we needed it for the climax, and yeah. And then Cameron shows up and is like, the fuck is going on here? And And then it comes out, again, during graduation, that Howard's been fired. And lawsuits are threatened. Which they should have already been. Uh Uh-huh. And again, they bring it into this idea that the reason they don't want gay teachers is because that might create a situation where gay students feel more comfortable with their sexuality and come out. But this movie is clearly not comfortable engaging with the stereotype of the gay pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like that's a bridge too far and upsetting. Yeah. They like, there's like one scene where they kind of mention that like, Oh, he saw us changing in the lockers. And, and, but then that's like immediately dropped. It's never brought up again. Yeah. But, and then this one, like, clearly his favorite student who he he tutored and helped get into college or, and, like, took out a college visit and stuff, stands up and does what, uh, well, I'm gay. And, again, this is clearly not a Spartacus moment. It's very obviously not. It, it's clearly, like, his lady friend next to him, like, started help make, making it into one. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then the whole community collectively stands up and says we caught the gay from howard Mm -hmm. because he is so much a part of our community and we all have so much contact with him because we are all one Mm -hmm. so we all must be gay if gay is communicable Mm -hmm. and then dance party yep and i don't did they ever like mention if he got his job back (laughs) i think we're supposed to just assume it because i mean the principal's invited to the dance party so I feel like he wouldn't be. I guess. I feel like his parents would not have invited that man if Howard were still fired. (laughs) Debbie Reynolds and and Wilford Brimley soon show, so. And Debbie Reynolds um, just has a wedding for her damn self. Mm -hmm. Because that's been like her driving thing through the whole movie. She just wants to have a wedding. And this is 1997. 
like watching it from a modern perspective, it definitely feels like it should have ended with Kevin Klein and Magnum PI getting married. But it's 1997. It's 1997, Indiana, not Hawaii. True, true. Which uh, apparently Brian didn't know about that meme from the 90s. I did not. Everything is 10 years behind in Wyoming. Gay shit is 25. (laughs) What's it like in Indiana? Um, Well, that is where my shittier relatives moved, so... (laughs) But, yeah... Tom Selleck's character is so weird. He's almost a love interest. Like but they're he's also hinting toward almost it. Almost a trickster demon. Uh huh. He's he's Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That this is the bad place. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Klein is in it, and every day. <laughs> now I'm just imagining Ted dancing in the in the Tom Selleck role. <laughs> I mean, Whoopi Goldberg's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ted Danson has a sort of silver fox thing going on against all odds at this point, but in the nineties, oof, this would have been nineties Ted Danson. Ooh, ooh, all commentary retracted. Yeah, that that image is leaving my head. <laughs> the dance party is such a. We couldn't think of any other way to end the movie. I've seen so many movies where that just happens. It it is the universal codifier for we didn't have an ending. But if there's a dance party happening, the problems must have been resolved because why else would these people be dancing together? And I mean, it's it's trying to be thematically relevant because of the big, you know, the big dance scene with uh, I Will Survive is like his come to Jesus moment, sort of, where he accepts himself. That Diana Ross cover was boss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the dance party at the end should have been to YMCA, even though Macho Man is thematically appropriate. Because YMCA is the dance one, though. Or at least in the Navy. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> uh huh. The song that turned me gay as a child, <laughs> because I had a Muppets tape with it on there. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, ipso facto, QED. You didn't catch it from your high school teacher? No, I I caught it from my piano teacher when I was nine. (laughs) She lived with her roommate. (laughs) In a town much like this. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, God bless her. I hope she's doing well. Yeah, I... There's so much that's problematic about this movie and so much that's kind of aged in a shaggy way, but watching it, it, it makes me feel warm and happy yeah it kind of reminded me of like another movie i saw pretty recently which is a uh, love simon um have either of you seen that uh no actually i i never i didn't get around to it it's cute it's fine most of the humor is like your liberal aunt sharing memes on facebook humor but like it's, it's yeah cute. there's a place for it but it does it does kind of like go in the opposite direction of this movie where it leans so hard on that I'm just like you stuff um, that it, it, it's a little off-putting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like in 10 years, it'll probably be remembered in sort of the same way. Because like, I, I didn't, I haven't gotten around to watching Love, Simon, but I did sort of follow people watching it. You know how that goes. Um, and, and it felt very much like we're going to make a normal rom-com, but with the gays. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what mm-hmm. it is. And, like, I totally get that impulse, and and fair enough, I respect it, but I I think it'll age faster than some more revolutionary work. Yeah, I feel like it's already aging kind of poorly, um, because it already had its, like, little backlash, so. I mean, I I hear there's kind of an uncomfortable situation where the lead is contrasted against a a more femme gay boy or something. Yeah, and there is, like, one scene where the femme gay boy, like, has a conversation with him and is like, hey, it hasn't really been easy for me. Like, you just kind of, like, assumed that. Um, But, like, that's, like, one moment in the movie. Like, it is very much, like, in and out in that it's not really trying to, like, grapple with, like, you know, the, the you know, like, systemic inequality for gay people or anything like that. Um, I will say that if we can finally move past the gay coming-of-age tale where a teenager fucks a much older guy as a way of coming into his sexuality, 
It can't possibly be too soon. Or the lesbian coming of age tale where a fresh-faced young 25-year-old fucks a much older woman. Hey, I liked Carol. Okay, but that's all of them, though. That's true. But unfortunately in Love, Simon, they're the same age. They're both in high school, so. That's nice. I'm just saying that I'm tired of people talking about Call Me By Your Name. Don't Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can can see that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I, I think... I think there are, and this is one of those movies where I can see, I can see why you kind of didn't like it, because there's a lot of those little niggling annoyance factors. So, like, if you're not on the on the emotional feels train, then it's just a lot of little annoying scenes put together. Right. And, like, I didn't hate it. I didn't have a bad time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I can kind of see, like, it, it's like the birdcage. I'm not, like, super fond of that movie either. But it's like, I understand like the place for it i understand like and th- there are definitely like some really funny scenes in there mixed in with the annoying parts so yeah definitely i've got movies like that too yeah and again i have a soft spot for this one just because it was one of the first really big movies talking about gayness that wasn't a tragedy that i was aware of like mm-hmm. i was 11 when this came out so it's one of those movies that I saw the marketing and it stuck in my head until I was old enough to get a hold of a copy of it. Because I needed to see what this was about. Right, right. And you know how you sort of hoard little things like that? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is why I kind of wanted to talk about these kinds of movies this month. Because gay movies for for straights have the unintended side effect of... Right. What are they to gay people? Right. They they find the people who need them, like, who need that door nudged open, too. And, like, that's worth talking about. Even if the large, you know, once you get to be a big grown-up gay, you start, you, you, they become frustrating. It, it It's important also to remember. And, I mean, this movie still has the annoying thing where homophobia is vanquished by the whole community is a silent majority and there's just this one dickhead who's homophobic and also he's old and ugly and he smells and you wouldn't want to be like him, would you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little tired. <laughs> there are, like, there are microaggressions in this movie, but mm-hmm. it just kind of uh, waves past them. It's whatever. They kind of slide right off. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not, and I... Because really, all Howard wants is to be able to do his job. That really is his only motivation in this movie. It's his great love. More not, than not Magnum P.I. Not to smooch a boy. Uh-huh. To do his job. <laughs> it's, it, it's the You Tried star of movies. Yeah. It did try, like, harder than others, though. I, I will acknowledge that. <laughs> yes. Of, of the movies we have watched this month this is the sterling success story (laughs) a little sad but i'll take it (laughs) yeah like between this and kissing jessica stein which i found out from you know a newspaper movie review that this one is a much better choice for me to have waited around till i could watch Mm -hmm. (laughs) i haven't seen kissing jessica stein i do not recommend it as a bisexual oh no oh please Lesbian bed death. Not a thing, Hollywood. <laughs> it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, it sounds bad. <laughs> but thank you for taking the time to talk with us about this one, even if it's sort of a warts and all kind of memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I definitely, you know, it was, um, it was interesting to watch again. Well, no, to, to see for the first time. I don't know. This was my first time seeing it. But, like, to kind of transport back uh, mentally to, like, okay, this is what, you know, it was like for mainstream gay representation in film at this point in time. Yeah, and there was another movie we uh, you brought up maybe doing that I think we ended up doing this instead because it's a little bit more in our lane. But definitely for people to go out and see is um, is one of Ang Lee's early films. Uh, the Wedding Banquet, yes. Um, which is about... Um, which which is about a um, sort of interna- uh, international marriage and cross cultural issues and you know also a love story and not shitty like Brokeback Mountain by all accounts. <laughs> In fact, a very good movie. I I also um 
I also heard it recommended by Nancy uh, fairly recently. Also a very good podcast if you're looking for gay shit. Even if they have an episode about Drag Race. But if so, listeners who I'm sure have enjoyed listening to this guest podcast, uh, tell them where they can find more of you on the internet and also give you money for stuff. Yes. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Terrible Pun Name. Um, I also have a WordPress blog that I really need to update. Um, it's RossWritesThings.wordpress.com. I also have a blog with my friend Tyler where we talk about Hey Arnold, um, and that is uh, moveitfootballhead.wordpress.com. <laughs> nice. Well, if you, and once you've finished reading all of Ross's stuff, if you'd like to hear more of this podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud by looking up Trash and Treasures. We're also on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling themselves this week. If you could leave us a rating or review, we really appreciate it. It helps people find us. You can also get hold of us by email at trashandtreasures underscore pod at outlook.com. You can find us on social media on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com. Or on Pillow Fort, if you look up Trash and Treasures in the communities. Yes, that's right. We're going to make it a thing. Or you can find us on Twitter at TrashPod. Uh, and if you say hello to us, then you know maybe we will give you a shout-out on the air. Uh, this week, I'd like to give a shout-out to at Abby Says Words, who is very nice and enjoys them trash pyres as much as we did. And we're glad that we're able to keep you company on car rides, because that shit is tiring. The books and the car. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and thank you one and all for joining us for the big gala event that is Pride Month episodes. They're fun to do, even if they take a little bit more curating to put together. Um, We're really proud of these. By all means, be sure to come back again sometime, Ross. We really appreciate having you. I would love to. (laughs) Yay. Thank you for having me. Any final thoughts, Dorothy? Um, just uh, getting ready to tell the folks what we're going to do next time. Oh, that's right, because we're going back to the... For a minute here. (laughs) We're going back to the regular episodes. All right. So um, next time we will be uh, doing yet another Drunk Book Club. We're going to be looking at uh, Lost Souls by Billy Martin writing as Poppy Z. Bright. And this movie made me deeply frightened of my uterus for years. Hooray! I I was traumatized, audience. Um, And then after that, we're going to be rolling on in to Documentary Month. The other yearly staple of themes. I don't know why we do that in the summer, but we do. We do it now. It's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. See y'all. 